Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan DeCenzi. Welcome back to the show. You know, I always say, I am so excited to be here today and have somebody in the house and you know, all that good stuff. And the truth is, I am always excited because the people that I bring onto the podcast to have a conversation with are always dynamic. They're always enlightening. They're always full of energy and they have a phenomenal story to tell. And today's guest is absolutely no different. Now, this is a dear friend of mine. We met about a year ago or so. She is one of the most like down-to-earth, energetic, and connected people because she has this incredible story. And before I tell you a little bit more about her, I first want to welcome her into the house. Today I have with me, I have the honor and the pleasure to introduce you guys to Victoria Vives Kwong. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Susan. It's so wonderful being here with you and your audience. I'm super excited. I know, <laughs> me too. And part of the reason that I'm so excited, Victoria, is because your story is so amazing how you literally went from, you know, a woman who was living in a very dictatorial and, you know, chauvinistic and, you know, really sexually censured kind of regime to being able to free yourself and then bloom in sharing all of your gifts, but really in helping women reconnect with their divine sexuality. So let me get into the little bit of background that I want to share with you all besides that, so that we can then hear more of that story and how you came to be more spiritually expressed yourself. So Victoria is an international best-selling author of a book called In a Matter of Seconds, and she's a healing and a shamanism teacher. She's a spiritual leader. She's the host of, you guessed it, the Divine Sexuality Podcast, which that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And she's literally helped over 4,000 women from around the world to access that greater place of fulfillment within their lives and help them tap into their energy, their healing, their spirituality, so they could become more fully expressed women. And she really emphasizes divine sexuality because she recognizes that the most powerful philosophy that she teaches is at that foundation is our femininity and our womanhood. And as a more masculine and meshed world that we've probably, most of us have grown up in, we've probably lost a little bit of that, right? You've heard the stories of the man acts really kind of like assertive and he's the boss and he, you know, says, I want you to do this. And we see him as this leader. But if a woman does that, she's considered a bitch. So what I love about what Victoria does with divine sexuality is she really helps women facilitate 
their ability to more positively relate to their bodies, to their partners, to their own sexuality, and thus, in my opinion, become more fully expressed. So, like, what a dynamic background, Victoria. I'd love to hear a little bit about what kind of was going through your head as you're growing up in this very restricted environment? Like, were there points where you knew this just isn't for me and this is like bullshit? And and even though I'm following kind of the norm of where I'm living in my family, I've got to change something? Or what did it come about like drastically one day? Oh my goodness. It has been a full on journey from day one. So, okay. I'm still working on it, Susan. I'm still discovering, peeling one new layer every day. So it is an incredible adventure. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, I was, I would say fortunate enough to have a very unique experience in that I grew up with three mothers. So I had my mom, my aunt, my grandmother, and then I went to an only girl school. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) You were surrounded by the femininity. Right. And then in a place that was so chauvinistic. So that was an interesting thing. And then my grandmother was ultra conservative, like the regime we were living in, a Mm. dictatorship. But then my mother was like completely rebellious. Like it was like extremes. And I'm a Libra. Oh, wow. So, so I learned from, from that contrast and from those polar opposites. Yeah. Was it confusing for you too, though? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was so confusing to have one caretaker t- telling me one thing and the other caretaker telling me the opposite. But not only that, also the regime itself, once the dictator had died, Spain went in the opposite direction. So we went from being completely censored to going to what historically is known as el destape, which is like the uncovering. And what is said is that Spain got naked. Wow. That's the idea of el destape. (laughs) See, and so what I love... Like, and, 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 you know, like you, you know me and you, you guys as out there listening, you know me too, that I, uh-huh. I'm not going to follow some like, okay, we go here, then we go here. And I ask this and I ask that I'm so go with the flow. So we'll, we'll get back to your story. Cause I want to hear way more about that. But what's beautiful about what you just shared is that, okay, so here you are in your mini world with mom, aunt, grandma, living in this polar opposite place. Mom is one way, grandma's another way. Then you're also living in the bigger world, which is your country, where your country has been on, let's say, kind of the grandma side, right? (laughs) But now they, after the regime leader dies, now the country goes to like naked side, which is kind of like mom's side, like naked rebellious side, right? <laughs> yeah. What a beautiful kind of foundation that it was setting for you, mm. right? Yeah. Even in that confusion to then, okay, wow. Okay, I just had to point that out because that was like, wow, it was the same as your life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Susan. Thank you for sharing that. And that wasn't the only interesting thing. Another interesting thing was that I was the only black person until I was 14. So my my mom's side is German, half German. 
So my my dad's side was not with us. Okay. So in the whole city, like normally everybody I see was white. So just imagine you're at home uh, growing up and you have all your family black, which you are not black, right? So imagine yeah. having all your family being black. And then you go to the street and you see everybody's black. So you start creating a self-image that you see yourself as black. <laughs> right. right. So there was a lot of discrimination against me because people was not used to see somebody like me, but I couldn't notice, I couldn't understand it, right? Because I was inside myself, I dreamt of myself as white and I just didn't have that image. So it was a little strange. But then I went from being discriminated in that way to being primetime television. So wow. now <laughs> things turn around again. And also people from insulting me in the street, they started just telling me, you know, the men harassing me and all this stuff. <laughs> so, so it was always like this dichotomy in many aspects of my life, which once again, I'm a Libra, so I learned through contrast. So the universe said it in a way that certainly has been like a mastery <laughs> degree. Oh my God, yes. You shall now be the master <laughs> of the polar opposites in every aspect of your life. You will do it this way, then you'll do it that way. You will learn this, then you'll learn that. You'll experience this, then you'll experience that. All right, so you're living you know, under the old regime still, before Spain became naked Spain, essentially. How old were you when you really started noticing the differences between the way grandma thought and felt and believed and mom? You know, I'm not sure. I just have a, a memory of me being at home and I was always like very playful. So I was in, the, so in a chair sofa chair, I don't know, armchair. I was on an armchair and I had one leg on an arm and the other on the other arm. So my legs were open, but I was a kid. Right. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about it. I was sure. so happy, just playing. <laughs> and my grandmother, you cannot do this. And then my mom, it's okay. <laughs> so that's the first time I remember seeing that dichotomy. Wow. Um, and I don't remember what age I was, but that's the first time I remember, oh, wow, interesting, you know, how they really were trying to bring the, their perspective. Yeah. And because my mom was super young, my grandmother wanted to make sure that she took care of me. But at the same time, my mom was my mom. So, <laughs> so she wanted to make sure she's my, she has that role with me, of course. Right. So when did the leader of the country die and, and Spain started to shift? Were you young? Were you a teenager? Were you in no, your no, 20s? No, I was a kid. Really, I was like a kid. So it was more of the, the energy that I stayed in the home because of my grandmother and just the time. It took like 10 years to move from this dictatorship to this full-on uncovering. Yeah, because as okay. you can imagine, we were afraid, like we were very repressed. You will see everything in television, censored. So it, there, it took a long time. So this took me from my childhood to, yeah, to my teens. Yeah. Did you notice in your teens then, you know, which is typical that some, a shift like that doesn't happen. You know, it's not like the dictator dies and the whole nation just, you know, the mm -hmm. next day is like, woohoo free. I mean, it's, it's a slow process, like you said, because people are afraid. And this 
this lends itself to our lives day to day, how we become very fearful of something. And we often go very slowly with the change that we know we need to make or is coming. Even now, like with COVID situation, right? Changes are happening. We're kind of forced on us, but other changes are going to happen super slowly because of the fear. So as you then became a teenager and noticed some of these national changes happening, did you notice any particular way that you were starting to feel like more mom-like or more grandma-like? And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to keep putting it like that, but I think for the ease of you guys listening out there, to put it in either that kind of perspective because they were so polar opposite would be helpful. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because, you know, it depended on the dynamics. So, for example, I know that sexuality was something that from being a taboo, it continues somewhat being a taboo, mm-hmm. but now you see it everywhere. So, it's in television what they call semi porn. So, it wasn't porn or anything, but it was semi. So, For me, as a child, to see those things in television was quite shocking. And then magazines in the street, like all those things as a child, it was quite shocking. And I don't know if it was because of my my previous experience with the censorship, but I think it's also because we went too far at that time. It was Mm -hmm. a little over the top, especially if it was always portraying women. So it wasn't like an equality of roles, uh, both sex. Yeah. Uh, But instead it was just always women, (laughs) the ones that were naked and, you know. So that was quite shocking to me. Besides that, what I also noticed is that as I grew up a little more, my my grandmother always stayed with me, which was very beautiful. But my mom kind of started doing her own life. So then... When I was about 12, 13, she started doing her own life. So I totally switched myself. I went from being a good girl to, you know, being so hurt inside that I rebelled against everything. (laughs) Are you willing to share like some ways that you rebelled? Yeah, So, you know, I feel that when we are so hurt inside and we know that for more than we cry, nothing is going to get resolved. Yeah. We need to strengthen ourselves in some ways. So if you think about Abraham's Hicks and the scale of our emotions, being in despair, crying all day is terrible for us. So I feel that in some way, my system knew, okay, we have to to go to rates <laughs> because you cannot just stay in this situation crying in the bed. So I went into these rates with my mother and I started being as rebellious as I could. The difference was because I didn't have a father figure, I didn't have the ability of somebody cutting the cord with my mom and my family household and telling me, okay, you are an adult, now here is the world. But also my mom left me before I left her, which makes a very interesting situation because now she didn't give me that opportunity of emancipating because I, like most teenagers, decide, okay, you know, oh, mom, yeah, I'm out of here. But instead it was she leaving me 
and I was like, oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm oh, sure. not, re yeah. not ready yet. So she was around, but she was just not like she was before, right? <laughs> she was doing her thing. That had to bring up like abandonment and feeling yes. betrayed. Again, and, yeah. abandonment again. Well, I didn't tell that story, but I had several abandonment stories growing up. So, so yeah, after that, I said, okay, you know, I started going with the bad ones. <laughs> In my neighborhood, being a ghetto-like neighborhood, there were a lot of bad ones to choose from. <laughs> oh, man. So, so I started going with the bad ones and learning to live in the streets and you know I was always still the good person inside so I still stayed drinking juice while my friends are getting drunk or <laughs> eating liquids while my friends are making drugs doing drugs you know so I was I always stayed somewhat on my path and my perspective but I learned so much Susan from going with them for years and years and years it was very hurtful at some levels, um, and that's what got me into my time of the near-death experience and everything. But I learned so much, and you know, I'm happy I went through that because I think it's a luxury to be able to understand not only the, the healing path, but also what it is to be in that energy and in that darkness. So you stayed like they're doing drugs and they're drinking. And so you, you stayed away from that, but you continued to hang out with them. Absolutely. And yeah. learn all of those kind of some hurtful, some helpful pieces from that opposite side, from that very yeah. negative kind of rebellious side. How did that serve you? Because I think the important thing, you know, this show, it may be called the spiritually expressed human, but it isn't necessarily about spirituality for people, right? Some people don't have a level of what they would call spirituality at all. But it's more about honoring the authentic you and the truth of you. And sometimes we have to go through those polar opposites to find that place of our path that is a blend of both. So how did that time you know, the, in the rebellious stage that you were in, how did that time really serve you and help you to where you're at now, even? Yeah, it's a complex question in the sense that I feel life is so complex and we can live at the surface on the more mundane layer, Yeah, but it can go so deep and everything is interlaced. So I cannot see the extent of how that changed who I am or what I learned. What I can say is that as human beings, we are so multifaceted that normally we live only a percentage of all that we are capable of understanding, of doing, of learning. So for me, it is almost like a privilege to be able to almost like peek into these like <laughs> realities, micro realities, and yeah. being able to understand and be one with that kind of people. So for me, these were my, my family, you know, I remember one of them, you know, he was kind of in the Mexican mafia. So like, like some of them are not necessarily the people that, <laughs> that most people might appreciate or how would I say it? Like people would be afraid of them. Sure. Okay. But they were my family and they were my friends. 
So I was able to understand them and understand that part within me because I feel that we all have a reflection uh, of each other. Sure. And being able to to be tough, to be to be tough to the extent that you see that behind that toughness sometimes is so much pain, Susan. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't mean in general that these people doesn't care, but sometimes there is a lot of hurt or pain, and sometimes there is a disassociation in which then there might be nothing <laughs> felt. That that reminds me of when I worked at the prison. There was this this guy. We'll just call him Dave, who is probably. 300 pounds of solid mass. Like I've literally never seen a man with his arms as big as this guy, Wow! right? You know, from working out, like I, I know there's professional bodybuilders, but he was not a professional bodybuilder. He was an inmate at this prison, had done a lot of, you know, what, what the law said was a lot of bad stuff and was in prison for quite a long time. And this young kid, 18 years old, came into the, the prison and into the, our group, yeah. and he'd never been in prison before. And he was telling a story, and he was crying, and there was a lot of pain. And Dave was so upset by this young man's crying that in his bigness, right, he threatened this young boy and I won't say all that he said, even though I swear on this show, I won't say all that he said because it was pretty intense and graphic, but he basically got in this 18-year-old kid's face and said, you're this, you know, wussy, and again, he didn't say it so nicely, and if you ever cry again in this group, you mf I swear to God, next time we're at the gym, I'm going to take that barbell and wrap it around your neck. Mm. He threatened this kid because he couldn't handle this young man's tears. But guess who was crying in the group two months later? Oh. Dave. Because it that toughness and that need to threaten was all about his own pain that he wasn't ready to feel or face yet. Yeah. And so it's such a beautiful point that you brought up because this shows how we're all just people. And we all have experiences that might have caused us pain or putting up these masks or barriers and we don't know how to maneuver through, so we maintain that aura. It doesn't sound, though, like you did that, meaning you were still learning to be you, whatever that meant, but you could honor who they were, too, and they were your family and friends. You just didn't have to go along with everything they did or said, like you didn't do drugs, you didn't drink alcohol. You didn't have to do all that to still just be you and learn from them and with them, and be friends and family with them. Yeah, you know, having grown up in a feminine <laughs> environment, as I share, I needed these guys. They sure. were all guys, so yeah. I, I just needed the, the power of men. You know, I was not going to be the next loser in my in my lineage. I, I said, women are losers. I'm going to be like a man. I'm going to learn from men. So there they come and. I was the first time I started going with this kind of people, I would cross paths with them in the street and I would be a little frightened in my neighborhood. And, and then, oh no, are my fr these are my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared, getting scared, but they're my friends. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it was that kind of energy, you know? 
So did that feel like you adopted more masculinity at that point from those experiences then as you grew into adulthood? I feel that by default, as women living without men, we need to stay afloat and we do adopt some of that. And as I was going with them, I wanted to learn everything I could from what it is to be a man, how I can be stronger. At the same time, you know, that's how I was feeling inside that, yes, I can do that. But then I would look at my face and I had this face that was like a little girl, <laughs> super innocent. And I was like, how can I look like a badass? <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can't see Victoria, but you will when this episode airs. She is absolutely like, Victoria, I, I know people probably say this all the time. <laughs> and because I know you personally and I've seen you in person and hugged you and been with you many times, you have this beauty that is so delicate and exotic. And yet there is that, I don't think I'll say masculine, but there is that, that edge to you that's like, don't fuck with me. I am the most feminine and gentle and beautiful and kind and sweet, but I will rip your effing head off if you like screw with me. And and yet your looks don't reveal that, but something about the exoticness of your looks do. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly. I'm so happy that you can see that because I know that, you know, I teach energy healing, Reiki, and sometimes my students don't understand <laughs> the whole picture. That's why I wrote my book because I'm tired of people thinking that I'm like a unicorn. I'm not a <laughs> unicorn, okay? <laughs> uh, there is a warrior in, in here. I'm just taming that warrior because I know it, it, can, it can overtake sometimes and I have learned please, you know, I have to keep that balance. So that's another dichotomy. Yes. You're a badass martial artist too, aren't you? Yes. And people, you know, I have 6 million views on, on YouTube with my martial arts videos. So people can take a look-see. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Is it under Victoria Vives Kwong? Uh, yeah, well, mostly for the martial arts Victoria Vives only. Okay, so listen up closely, people, because yeah, it'll be in the show notes, but I want to comment right here. V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A, Victoria, just like you would spell Victoria. Her last name, part of it, as YouTube is under, V-Victor, I-V-Victor, E-S, Sam, Victoria Vives. Look for her on YouTube. Over 6 million views, like crazy blows my mind. Mm -hmm. But it's all, it's martial arts videos. Like I've seen pictures. I, I'll be honest, I have not seen your martial arts videos, but I will be now. Nice. I've seen pictures of you in martial art type, like action, uh, action pictures. Oh my God. Like <laughs> I would not mess with Victoria. <laughs> Hell to the no. Right. But see, this is what I love about divine sexuality and what you're doing about mm. helping women become this, you know, you have a program called, I believe the ecstatic woman experience, right? Yes. And it's about women you know, diving into being that ecstatic woman who you can have. Like, I don't do it as eloquently as you, but I've always felt that I had a blend of masculine and feminine. Mm. And I don't 
know that I have allowed myself the permission to be as in touch with my femininity and my womanhoodness as much as as you have and and maybe other women are are very adept at doing. And maybe that's because I had two older brothers and I was the baby of the family and the only girl. I don't know. My parents were super super avid outdoors people. So we camped every weekend, you know, so just like my experiences seemed a little more, I guess, if you want to say masculine, the camping and the doing and the hiking and, and less, I couldn't, I didn't worry about doing my hair when we're taking a bath in the river. Camping, right? You know, like I didn't care about that. And so I think I learned to just have a blend to some degree, but a little more maybe on the masculine side. I don't know. And what you're doing and have done is taken all those early experiences when there was confusion, and then you kind of dove into a bit of the masculine world because you needed that as role modeling and, and an understanding of that. And then you kind of, you know, I want to hear more of the story, but you kind of lived more in a bit of a masculine way of being for a while, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then came into this femininity. So take us back there then where you were more in this masculine place and how did it lead you to reconnecting with your divine sexuality? Yeah. So I feel that there is almost like this epidemic in in our Western world in that Masculine achievement is always highly recognized and rewarded, Mm -hmm. but feminine, not so much. So what I mean is as women, if we want to be outstanding and successful, normally it's going to be about being competitive out in the world like a man. (laughs) Yeah, right. But not so much we have the recognition of, oh, you're a great mom. Well, you know, yeah, maybe your family or... You know, but those things are not so recognized. The people of power are the people who are out there in business, in politics. So we had the the feminism movement, the feminist movement, and we gained the ability to be at the same level than men. But we also lost something precious that was our ability to stay like the nurturers that we are and really honor the feminine within us. Not only that, we also now we have almost like double on our plates because we are doing our role as we can in the feminine and in the masculine roles. So we are normally depleted and we are normally not truly living fully the role of being a woman. So you're not alone, Susan. I was in the same situation and I'm still every day seeing how can I make my life more toward that feminine aspect. Mm -hmm. So I'm still on the journey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think, honestly, I think we all are, Victoria. Until we draw our last breath, I truly believe we're all on the journey and evolving and learning. But Mm -hmm. I want to unpack a little bit more of what you said, because I think this is an important distinction that I don't, I don't even know that I understand it completely. And so I'm curious then, I, I imagine that, you know, you listening out there might feel some of the confusion too. Can you share then with me the difference as you see it from your life and your experiences and your work, the differences between the feminist movement and femininity? Because you said something so important that we 
were entrenched and have been in this feminist movement, but we still lost some of the connection to our femininity. Mm. So what do you mean by that? Like, what is that difference? Yes. So we sacrificed our part, which is more about being in our circle of women together, taking care of ourselves, the family, the house, really basking in that feminine energy that is so nurturing, so beautiful, connected with all the artistic aspect, all the more abstract, more being in the moment, in the present. And we sacrifice some of that so that we can fight at the same level than men. Which, ah. which, by the way, I love, and that's what I did most of my life. At the same time, the sacrifice and what we have lost is so great that we need to bring this into a harmony, uh, an integration. Mm-hmm. So when we are talking about the feminist movement, sometimes we, we are squishing down our femininity We are not doing it from a perspective of the feminine force, the feminine power. Instead, we are becoming masculine because that's the world that we are competing in. Ah, So mm. if if a woman wants to to be recognized in a place where 80%, 90% of, of the people working are men, she by default is going to have more trouble expressing her femininity. Not only that, we get more into aspects of our brain that is more the, the masculine aspect, which is the left brain. Less abstract, more intellectual, less feeling and being intuitive and more being a, in, in our mental power. So we start being less in our bodies. And, and this for sexuality for women is terrible, by the way. Because as women, we feel our sexuality not in our sexual organs only, but all throughout our body. We need to be present. When we start focusing on our mind, our mind, our mind, we lose some of that ability of being part of our sexuality, really embracing that. And that is part of what I do in the ecstatic woman experience process. So we go from that place that we are not present in our bodies, not present in our sexuality, in our connection with our beloved. Many women have experienced this. They want to be with their (laughs) beloved, but their mind is in their business, is in the next thing that we need to get done. It's almost like our energy goes everywhere. So we get up, the kitchen is out of order, something is you know, out of place, everything is calling us to take care of it, and there is no energy coming back to us. So through this process of being so much in the masculine, it's just like we don't leave any energy for ourselves. That totally makes sense, and in all transparency here, my voice sounds a little different right now because I just had this enormous coughing fit which may continue and I heard you while I was coughing and thank you for continuing (laughs) to talk because I know a couple (laughs) points I could tell by your face like you wanted to stop but I'm still coughing so she's like oh shit well if I stop then there'll be silence so I'm going to keep going but see I always love 
<laughs> hey, we keep it real here. And thank you, know, you because I was a little bit like, oh my goodness, I'm losing my train of thought, but I'm going to continue. I'm I know, continue. I know. I'm sorry. And you did beautifully because you know it it's the truth. Like as we think about women in business, right? If they become emotional, and what I mean by that is if they allow their intuition and their emotions to also guide them on a decision, typically powers that be, especially if they're men, would poo-poo that and look down on it because it's like, no, you got to just think of the business and we got to look at the bottom line and we have to look at kind of this next step in this business path, right? But women may have this this connection to their intuition and to that feminine part of themselves. And they utilize that in business, but because it's not something that has been so easily accepted, if men are in a position of power above them still, it's very downplayed and it's very poo-pooed. So a woman has to disconnect from that and just be more masculine in their ways of being in business, right? God forbid a woman cries mm. or allows herself to feel that level of emotion when it comes to working with her team and she's seen in some quote unquote weak kind of way. So I love what you said because it's it's it is clear now the differences between feminism and the feminist movement and how we did lose that aspect of our femininity within that even. So how did that bring you? Was there, a, was there a catalyst or a particular point in time for you that caused you to shift? I know you'd had a near-death experience. I'd love to hear more about that. Was that the piece that kind of shifted for you or no? No, the near-death experience helped me so that I started exploring the world of spirit. So ah. I later became a healer and a shamanic practitioner. But <laughs> this was more on a personal level. I was noticing that even though I was teaching and training healers and healing teachers, there was still something not working. There was something oh. that still needed a transformation. And I noticed that in my students too. And this was that part, that piece of being a woman. And by the way, I want to make clear, this is not just us women suffering, but also men suffering in a different way. So yeah, we don't have the necessary understanding as to what is a good role model for a woman and a man. I feel we are discovering that together as we go. Yeah. Because I, I absolutely believe that a woman in business can succeed by following her intuition, but we are not comfortable standing for ourselves because of the mocking that can go around. Yeah, so right. we need to do that more. But even at the level of, uh, you know, in a household, as a woman, I know that for myself, my husband is more intellectual. So I do my best to, to be more intellectual when if I would be on my own, I would be a lot more connected with my intuition. Okay. So I feel, I feel that we default to that because we are in general more accommodating, more people pleasing as yeah. women. <laughs> yeah. So we give up a little bit of that part of ourselves, but what we need to do is to bring more of it. So to me, it came down to when I was just feeling that 
all the healing that I could do would not be enough unless I reclaim what is at the core of every woman, which is womanhood. <laughs> mm. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, True Visionaries Incorporated, an organization dedicated to helping you become a true visionary of your own life. If you're dealing with any kind of stress day to day or stress related to the pandemic, then go to www.susandesenzi.com forward slash stress toolkit to download your free stress toolkit guide. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. So how do you see womanhood? Is it dressing in dresses and putting on makeup? Is it, you know, like, again, I, and I'm not stereotyping, but I know for me, okay, so if, if I'm honestly looking at my life in what you're talking about, which honestly, again, I'm super transparent, even first meeting you, right? I think I've only ever seen you in dresses gorgeous beautiful dresses but uh-huh. you guys will see her picture and know how incredibly beautiful victoria uh-huh. is and that she has a stunning form a stunning body uh-huh. and Thank i don't you. mean that from a sexual place i mean from a beauty place right mm-hmm. and i know that when i first met you even though i intuitively could feel you and your energy and and the purity of all of you right not just from this place there was that older part of me that said well shit i'm never going to be that connected to my femininity or my divine feminine sexuality because i can't wear heels anymore right i have plates in my neck and back issues and they just they hurt my back too much i can't I don't really want to wear dresses anymore. And I grew up with two older brothers, so I was a little more, quote unquote, tomboyish as I grew up. And so there was that part of me that felt like I don't know if I will ever reconnect the way Victoria has. And yet, again, you're not this little feminine wallflower woman, right, who's just always talking in this very soft voice and wears dresses and is always has these perfect manners, like you are badass warrior woman, right? So you, you're like this role model for me because I'm like, oh, damn, she, she's like feminine and beautiful and in touch and she can be badass and it's uh-huh. all of it. It's not either or. So how would someone like me or anybody listening who feels that they're maybe not in touch with that as much of their femininity and their divine sexuality as they could, how would you guide them? What would you say to them? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's such a great question because I feel that our vision, our perspective on what it is to be feminine is so distorted by our media, all the movies, the magazines, the fashion, all of this is distorting what it is to be a woman. Yep. I I admit, I totally, that's why when I first met you, I had that other part of me that's like, oh, I'll never, I'll never do that because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to wear dresses and look like Victoria all the time. Yeah. 
So that's not what it is to be a woman. That's what we are seeing on the screen. And I, I know what it means because I've been in entertainment for over 20 years. So I have been one of those women that had to wear those dresses, those heels, that makeup, that wig, all of it. Wow. And yeah. it was very hard for me to be able to be an, a, a normal woman. Like it was hard for me to... to be able to wear my hair. I mean, today she's seen me with my twists, which is an interesting thing, but... <laughs> I think <laughs> but it's yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> no, I don't really care so much because I, I've learned that, you know, if people is going to be identifying who I am just by my looks, uh, then that's maybe not the people that I care so much about. Sure. At the same time, I understand the power of our presence. And as a Libra, I love beauty, adornment, arts, all of that. So um, I, I still use that. But sometimes you will see me maybe in, a, in one of these events that are like high class without shaving my legs, uh, without no makeup. Way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I normal, yeah, absolutely. I have done that. And, and I, and with my boots, like not looking so amazing, but then I wear a, a dress and then I just have my attitude at going happy and then I smile and that normally it's okay. Then it's okay. Everything is okay. So I feel that our beauty can come from within. Sure. And also I believe that the wild aspect of being a woman connected to the earth I used mm. to, you know, like you, Susan, I, I didn't grow up going to, the, to camping and all of that like you. And in fact, I had my first experience of camping maybe when I was 19 or something like that. But now that I live here in Los Angeles, I was going with my husband three days out of the week, sleeping outdoors without a tent, just living <sighs> there in the, in the wild. And, yeah. You know, I, my father is African from Nigeria, so that wild aspect is very strong in me. Mm -hmm. And I feel all of us have that. We just have forgotten. Yes. We have forgotten. We have become so civilized living in these cubes that we live in, yeah. <laughs> in the streets with asphalt and cement, that we have forgotten that we are part of nature. And any, any of us that has the willingness to go out there and live wildly for just a few days, will find that strength that comes from remembering that we are animals. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that's such a beautiful way to put it. So how would we reclaim our divine sexuality and our femininity for those of us as women who feel like maybe we're more on the masculine side or, or have did, maybe not even that, but just feel a bit of a disconnection? Regardless of like me saying, you know, like I don't want to wear dresses and da 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 da. Regardless of those pieces, how would how would we reclaim that? Yes. So for sure, if you come back to that natural state and being in the wild, you will start understanding that you don't have to compare yourself to any magazine or any movie or anything because you're just one with nature. You are totally accepted. You are with what we call our relatives, the plant people, the, the, the animal people, all of that. So it, it becomes, you start discovering yourself for who you are, yeah, not right. what you see in the mirror, what is portrayed in the movies. So you start discovering your own beauty 
Maybe your beauty is about how you move. Maybe it's about how the tone of your voice is. Maybe your beauty is about how you are able to relate to people and be there for others. So there is a lot of different aspects that tap into our beauty. And then the aspect of being feminine is very related to being in our bodies, being present, being also practicing that nurturing aspect. So... Mm. Uh, it's almost that's why I call it the ecstatic woman experience or the ecstatic experience because when we start really being with all our awareness in our body, there can be this experience of ecstasy. But we need to be inside our bodies, and then when you start feeling like that, it's like you exude something different. You're not just in your mind thinking, mm, I have to do this, this, that. No, you are present. You are enjoying. You are breathing. Your breath is like this gift. You drink water and it's like an elixir because you are so connected. You are so in, in presence. <laughs> I get that. that. And so you've just, like, I realize now that I was holding this false narrative and false belief about femininity because you know, I don't wear dresses anymore and I don't wear heels and things like that. And I don't wear makeup all the time. And I swear sometimes and I can be kind of like rough or edgy or badassery or assertive or whatever you, people might want to call it that could seem, quote unquote, seem more masculine. The truth is, though, you've just enlightened me to the fact that I've been living in my divine femininity for a better part of my life, to be truthful, because mm. the, the one part, and this is Self-Care Awareness Month, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. September. No. Is it, is, it? it is totally, we are recording this now in September, oh and it is Self-Care Awareness Month. So even though you might not hear this episode for a little while, Remember that you had an opportunity to give yourself a lot of self-care. And I went through, Victoria just did a, a, a bit ago, a month or month and a half or so, two months ago, did a self-care challenge over five days that I was able to fully participate in. Amazing! <laughs> so, like, please make sure you follow Victoria and, <laughs> and we'll say the her website at the end here and it'll be in the show notes, but make sure you follow her because... I, I hope, I'll, I'll give you time to answer. I hope you'll do that again. Absolutely. It was yeah, it was unbelievable because, look, I may be like aware in this moment right now as we're talking that I've really not been, quote unquote, as masculine as I thought. That, that really I have been very connected to my femininity and my womanhood. What I have not allowed myself to do, though, is that nurturing in the same way for myself as I have to and for and with others. Mm. And your challenge was a very eye-opening and enlightening experience for me in all the ways that I really kind of was being offering self-care, but didn't realize it was self-care because it was almost like checking off from that very left brain list checking off, right? <laughs> Go do this, then this, then this. But really, in a, in a way, it was self-care. Now I just have to bring more awareness to it as I'm doing it. And so, like, what a beautiful way to describe that, Victoria, because, like, you just gave me the permission without realizing you gave me the permission to recognize that I'm not as masculine as I've thought. Mm. 
Uh, what a gift yeah. that is. Thank you from the depth of my heart for that because like I do these interviews and have these conversations because I just love people and I love the people I'm bringing on and I think they're amazing and have amazing stories of how they've stepped into fully expressing who they are. And I, I believed that I've, you know, been expressing who I am and understanding who I am at the core, a better part of my life. And yet there was that piece that said, yeah, but you swear and you, you know, you, you, you sound like, a guy sometimes in your voice or this and that, you know, all this bullshit stuff I would say in my head. And you literally just through the, our conversation gave me permission to recognize that it was the preconceived idea I had about femininity and masculinity that you just shattered to smithereens woman. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. And I want to let you know, you know, you give some of the best hacks ever. Aww. And Thank that you. is a, a, a very feminine nurturing energy that you have. Wow. So think about that. Not everybody can bring that through, but you do. Thank you. Because see, I just see that's what, oh my God, oh. see, this is what I'm talking about is that you saying that it's like, I just hug and I just love and I just feel the compassion and the empathy and the love for people because I work to live in that space at every minute of the day. So even when I'm making a decision or a choice or I'm having a reaction and I know I'm in my ego, I'm like, quickly then, how can I have this serve me in the best and highest way to be the fullest and most expressed version of me from that place of love and inspiration and compassion and empathy? And so to hear you say that is like, what a gift because I just hugged and loved, but to recognize that that's part of the feminine energy, and I'm a yeah. shaman too, and, and I do all this other stuff too, like we have all these aspects of us, but I just never saw that because I was living from the space that masculine kind of meant this and feminine meant that, and because like my nails are done and my hair is not this or that, or the makeup's not this or that, or the clothes... I was putting it all on that superficial, shallow level. If you think about how our ancestors were feminine, they didn't have their hair done or their nails done or their oh, shoes true. with heels, and they could be <laughs> amazingly feminine. And if you also see the deities that represent the divine feminine, there are some that are ferocious, like Kali. Yes. She's not going to be soft and sweet. No, she's going to be ferocious. <laughs> right. That's so true. All right. Well, I know, yes, we could talk all day. For the sake <laughs> of brevity, though, because, you know, I, I, I well, you know, I, I kind of end when we end, but I want to <laughs> honor your time. If people wanted to get more information from you, I know that you have an amazing ebook that you would like to gift the audience, which thank you so much for that. That's such a generous gift. Where would they find you and how would they get that ebook? Yes, so the Divine Sexuality ebook will uh, share with you all the different aspects in which in which us women sometimes we shut off. So there are five hidden traps that we normally 
fall into and they make us shut down our femininity. So through this process of understanding the five traps, you are able to start looking for, oh my goodness, I'm doing it now. How can I switch it? And I provide some ideas of how to turn it around. And yes, so you can absolutely download that book for free. And Susan is going to put a link in in the description, but also if you want to go to victoriavives.com slash divine, then you can download it. Yes. And I will have a link in the show notes that probably won't look as pretty as that. We'll put that right there and then I'll put a link. And the reason I'm putting a, a link, a different link in there is because we want to see all of you beautiful people who came from the show. Since there's no way to say, hey, I heard you on Susan's podcast, we're going to do it that way because we really want to reach more people. So share with your friends because, you know, Victoria, what you're doing is so critical to us as women being able to tap into our divine sexuality and the femininity because again the sexuality piece isn't about like you said sex and our organs it's about the full kind of experience of our femininity and our masculinity that is a balance then that creates that energy of our sexuality and our femininity and our ability to fully express right Yes, yes. Integration of the masculine and feminine within us, super important. So that'll all be in the show notes. Again, it's www.victoriavives.com forward slash divine. Check that out. And if there was a final piece of you know, I don't know, words of wisdom or thoughts or anything you really would want everybody to take away today, what would that be? You have this lifetime as your opportunity to express your femininity in the way you choose to. So discover that and don't let anybody tell you how that should look. (laughs) Oh, yes. You know, thank you for that. Such beautiful words of wisdom. Well, thank you. I will be bringing you back onto the show at a future point in time because (laughs) I want to share with you how that realization for me today has changed and shifted for me over time. So I'll absolutely be bringing you back on. Plus, you're a dear friend and I just love and adore you to death anyway. Likewise. Thank you. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such an honor to have you on. Thank you so much, Susan, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. So please check out Victoria on her website. All of that will be in the show notes. Please download her ebook. I think it's such a critical piece as we step more and more into becoming fully expressed, spiritually expressed, the badasses, the spiritual badasses that we were born to be, following our paths, doing what we're meant to do, being who we're meant to be, and recognizing the divinity that we are at the core. It is so important to integrate all of that. And Victoria has one of those amazing pieces. If you're struggling with anything, please know that I and Victoria and so many others are here for you. Go to susandesenzi.com. 
click on the free gifts tab and see what might resonate for you, whether it's about stress, whether it's about loving yourself. There are so many more things out there and so many of us like Victoria and I who want to help you learn to be the spiritually expressed badass human that you are. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in. I love you so much. And I will see you all next week. Go be the badass that's your birthright. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical. And spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.